You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6, Sarai's Suggestion. Abram has now lived in Canaan ten years. He is 85 years old, and Sarai is 75 years old, and still barren. God had confirmed the covenant with him ten years earlier, and yet there were still no children by him. At this point, any promises of offspring were related to Abram alone, with no mention of Sarai, so it's not completely unreasonable for her to come up with this solution, thinking perhaps it's the way God would work. It was also a well-known custom in Mesopotamia that a servant would bear a child for the mistress of the house. So Sarai recognized that it was the Lord who had kept her from having children. And this will be the plight of many women in the Bible, Rebecca, Rachel, Samson's mother, Hannah, and Elizabeth. Barrenness was seen as a reproach or a disgrace in that culture. Proverbs 30, 15, and 16 describes a barren womb as something that was never satisfied. A blessing that God promised was that the children of Israel would not miscarry or be barren. Children are a blessing from God, and the patriarchs recognized this as well. Jacob, rather harshly, said to Rachel, Am I in the place of God, who has kept you from having children? Whereas his father, Isaac, prayed for his wife, Rebekah, when she had not conceived during the first ten years of their marriage. And God answered his prayer, and she became pregnant. This whole incident doesn't reflect well on either Abram or Sarai. Did he forget that God was Almighty? Faith is required to wait on God's timing. They should have believed in his promise. But the flesh is weak. They were perhaps impatient with God's timing and looked to force God's hand by implementing a legal but surreptitious plan. It was done without consulting the Lord about it. This tension will be felt immediately in their family, in the next generation, and on down to our day. Such far-reaching implications to a seemingly innocent suggestion. Hagar is an Egyptian slave believed to have been acquired when they were in Egypt during the famine, in which Pharaoh gifted them with many things as well as servants. She was an Egyptian, enslaved in Canaan. Later Israel would be enslaved in Egypt. So Sarai approaches Abram with a suggestion that since the Lord has kept her from having children, thus acknowledging his sovereignty, she tells him to sleep with Hagar so that perhaps she can build a family through her. Abram passively agrees. Perhaps this shows some lack of faith on his part, or like Sarai, it seemed a reasonable way for God to fulfill his promises of offspring through Abram. God had earlier rejected his option of appointing his head steward as an heir. She conceives right away, which shows the problem was more with Sarai than with Abram. But not surprisingly, when you have more than one woman vying for the affections of a man, Hagar becomes quite proud of her pregnancy, and she feels she is better than Sarai and begins to show it. This infuriates Sarai, but instead of accepting blame for her own poor decision, she blames Abram for doing as she suggested. She says, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant, and she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. 
Words spoken in anger often reveal our own sins, even if we project them onto others. Abram is hands-off and leaves it to Sarai to do with her whatever she thinks best. And this is not wise, knowing how Sarai feels. It was his duty to protect Hagar and the baby. We've seen several character weaknesses in Abraham. Lying to protect himself uh, while Sarai was uh, put at risk. Agreeing to this plan instead of trusting God. Leaving the discipline of Hagar in Sarai's hands. Sarai mistreats her, causing her to flee for safety. While Sarai should not have mistreated her, Hagar must bear some of the blame for instigating Sarai's jealous response by her proud behavior. Verses 7 to 14, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar. So Hagar is found near a spring in the desert on the road to Shur, which is east of Egypt, indicating she was attempting to return there. Several places in the Old Testament scriptures we find God himself making an appearance in the lives of his people. We know God is spirit and doesn't have a body, yet these instances where a representative of God is in human form and yet is worshipped or addressed as God in the Old Testament is referred to as a theophany. It's a physical manifestation of God in the flesh before Jesus came. In those instances, we hear this angel of the Lord speak as God, I will increase your descendants, and he is called the Lord who spoke to her. Therefore, we know it is not just an angel. In the book of Genesis, we see some examples of this, both implicit and explicit. An implicit example includes Genesis 3.8, where it said, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And this is often misquoted to say that Adam walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day, but it's clear that it's God doing the walking. Another is in regards to the Tower of Babel. God said, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. And so it gives the impression that God came down to personally view this first civic building project and then frustrate their plans. The explicit examples are in Genesis 18 when God comes to Abram and Sarai to reaffirm the promised son will soon arrive and to talk with Abram about his plans for Sodom and Gomorrah. He also appeared to Abraham in Genesis 17, to Isaac in um, Genesis 26, and to Rebecca in Genesis 25. He spoke to Jacob above the ladder in Genesis 28, and again in Genesis 31 and 35. So the angel of the Lord speaks from heaven in Genesis 22 to stop Abram from sacrificing Isaac. Then in Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with a man who is identified as God. And God also sends his angel to guide the children of Israel on their wilderness wanderings. In Joshua 5, the commander of the Lord of hosts speaks with Joshua before the battle of Jericho. He also confronts Balaam in Numbers 22. And in Judges 6 and 13, we see the angel of the Lord come to Gideon and then to Samson's parents. And finally, in 1 Kings 19, he also speaks to Elijah. Because there are no examples of the angel of the Lord appearing after the birth of Christ, 
It's believed these were all instances of Christophanies, or appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. There was no need for any once God had come to the earth in the flesh. It's interesting to note that God comes to Hagar twice, but only once indirectly to Sarai. She is not one of the great matriarchs of the nation of Israel, but an Egyptian servant. She is also the only woman whom God ever addresses by name. By speaking with her, God is showing his care and concern for outcasts and those not officially connected to the promised line. D.A. Carson says there is a redemptive historical primacy to the ancient covenant people of God. Even Jesus focused his earthly ministry to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but acknowledged the faith of outsiders, like the centurion and the Canaanite woman. Thank God that he has included a gracious gospel call to the Gentiles in all nations of the world, as was his plan from the start, or we would have no hope. The angel of the Lord calls her by name, indicating he knows her, and asks asks her where she has come from and where she is going. Remember, God never asks a question to get information, because he already knows everything. He wants to engage with us, get us to admit the problem. Hagar does. She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. It's enough that she admits it. God doesn't ask for details because he doesn't need them. He tells her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Rebelling and running away are not the solution. He implies the mistress and servant relationship is still in place. God wanted this child born in the safety and security of Abram's family. This would be best for both Hagar and her son. She was headed back to Egypt and its idols, back through the dangerous wilderness through which she must pass. But God intervenes for her good. Sarai was returning to uh, returning to Sarai was the bad news, at least in Hagar's mind. But now, the good news. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Hagar may have been a servant, but she would become a mother of many. And this would make Abram a father of two groups of innumerable descendants. Also notice that this angel says he will increase her descendants, thus implying he is God, which Hagar will understand. He also adds, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, because the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. There is much here. She may not have been showing, so Hagar would have been surprised that he knew she was pregnant. He also said she'd have a son. If she had a girl, then she'd know he wasn't who she thought he was, but of course he knew. She was told to name him Ishmael, which meant God hears, reminding her that God heard her cry of affliction and responded. The reference to an onager, or wild donkey, who is fiercely aggressive and in independent creature, um, foresees the character of both Ishmael and his descendants. The constant fighting among the nations of the Middle East is foretold here. Her response indicates she understood what had just happened. He had known her name and had named her yet-to-be-born son. Now she named him. 
So she called him, You are the God who lives and sees me, or El Roy in uh, Hebrew. Not only had he heard her, but he had seen her and acted on her behalf. She was astonished that she had been allowed to see him. She said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Then, because names of places are sig of significance are often changed to reflect what has happened there, the well where she met the angel of the Lord was called Bir Lahai Roy, which means the well of the one who lives and sees me. Then Moses adds, it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So this geographical time reference would be for the sake of the early readers of the account. Verses 15 and 16, Ishmael is born. Hagar demonstrated her faith by her obedience. She returns as God instructed and she bears a child. It's a son, of course, as God said. She must have told Abram about the experience because he believes her and names his son Ishmael, as she had been told. No doubt the experience humbled her and smoothed over the relationship with Sarai. Then we are told Abram is now 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. He was 85 at the beginning of this section of the narrative, and this is believed to have been around the year 2079 BC. Scarlet Threads so what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Barrenness was seen as a disgrace. Later, Isaiah would refer to Israel as a barren woman who would soon have so many children she would need to enlarge her tent. Paul applies this verse to the spiritual offspring of Abraham and Sarah, the Jews and Gentiles who believe. Sarai's plan was to have a child through Hagar, as well as Abram's acquiescence to his wife's suggestion, showed a lack of faith on their part. They didn't ask God about it, but thought he needed help with his plan. This may have contributed to the delay of another 13 years before God appeared to him again. How often do we run ahead of God's plan for our lives? We need to wait on the Lord's timing. God was gracious to Hagar due to her connection to Abram and Sarai, God himself treats strangers and outcasts with the tenderness and care he will require of his people. This was an early hint at God's grace to people from every nation who will be united through Christ. Hagar was amazed that God saw her situation and acted to help her. We need to reflect on the fact that God always sees us. God told Hagar to return and submit to her mistress, as rebellion to authority is never condoned except in special circumstances. We are also rebels to God who need to repent and submit to His plan for our lives. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 17. May God bless the study of His Word.